0: Um, we are going to be looking at an encounter that Moses had with the presence of God found in Exodus 33. But before we jump into the text and jump into what God has for us this morning, I figured It makes sense when we're talking about the presence of God to take a moment to pause and invite him into this space Um, if you're joining us on zoom invite him into the space that you are there and like joy said earlier the presence of God is with us like it's not like he's gone somewhere but we're becoming aware like we're we're saying okay God we are going to be aware of your presence around us and so I'm going to start us this morning um, with the start of a, um, a spiritual practice called Lectio Divino. And it's just a time to calm our bodies, calm our minds. So we're just going to do a short prayer. But in this time, just take a moment to close your eyes wherever you are. And just take slow breaths. And we're going to invite the presence of God to encounter us this morning. As I enter prayer now, as I enter this part of, ser- of the service, we pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter our scattered senses upon the presence of God. God, thank you for the ways that you make yourself known. Thank you for the ways that you break through the noise so that we can see you. As we draw close to you and call you by name, would you reveal more of your nature, to us. May we experience your presence in this place this morning. Amen. So this morning, like I said, we're gonna be talking about encountering the presence of God and having these moments of experiencing God's presence. Throughout the Bible, there's lots of different accounts, right, of God encountering and the presence of God being known. You pretty much can flip through the Bible and you can see encounter after encounter. And so we know that the presence of God is alive. It is is for us. It is there for us to grab and grasp. But today we're going to look at this encounter that Moses had with God. This encounter, um, Moses had actually some of, I think, some of the coolest encounters with God between the burning bush and then this, this encounter we're going to look at today and the parting of the Red Sea. Like he just saw God move in some crazy wild ways that sometimes even when I read about it, I'm like, gosh, like it seems too good too insane to actually grasp. So I can't imagine how Moses felt when he was like witnessing it all happen. So Moses, before we jump into the text in Exodus 33 verse 7 through 17, I'm going to give us a little bit of backstory. At this moment where we meet Moses and the Israelite people, they have been wandering in the desert. They've just built the golden calf, um, which was the idol because They they wanted something to worship that was tangible. I think we've all felt that way. Um, It's really hard to grasp the idea of praising and worshiping a being that we don't see all the time. And so Moses has just had this encounter, and the Israelites have built the golden calf, and that didn't go well. And God tells them, like, hey, I'm not going to take away the promised land. You all are still going to go. But here's the thing, like, I'm going to send an angel with you instead. Now, up until this point, the Israelites had been walking in the presence of God with the presence of God in a lot of ways. When they left Israel, or when they left Egypt, he led them by a pillar of fire and a pillar of a cloud, like at night and day. And so he, like, physically was with them at all times. And so he was saying, like, hey, you're still going to get to go, and I'm going to send an angel, so I'm not completely, like, just turning my back. But like, I'm not going to do this. And so that's where we meet Moses. Moses knows that the Israelite people need God to go with them. Not just an angel, but his presence. They, he knows that that is what's going to set them apart. That's what's going to make them different in the land of people. And that's the thing, like, he, he knew that they needed him. And even though the Israelite people might not have understood the gravity, Moses did. And so we meet Moses in verse 7 of chapter 33. And we're going we're gonna to read this together. And then we're going to go through and just kind of pick parts that show this encounter that God and Moses have together. It says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, "'See you say to me, bring up this people,' But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, "If your presence will go with me, if your presence will not sorry, go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in, you, in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses. This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. So the first thing, like Moses knows, right, that God, that they need God. Not just an angel, they need, they physically need God's presence to go with them. So he's like, all right, Israel, like we just made a massive boo-boo. We're going to go, I'm going to go before God. But like how amazing is it that he had this relationship with God that they spoke to each other in this way, where he was like, God, that's great. Like that you're gonna give me your presence. But like we all, we all need it. So in the first part of that, in verse 7 through through eleven, it's the starting of Moses' meeting. And the thing is, is that Moses, he wouldn't just set up this tent when like he needed God to intercede for Israel or whatever but like he every time they moved camp he would go and set up this tent outside of the camp. So this was a regular practice for Moses. This wasn't just a one-off. It wasn't just like oh in this moment I need to go set out this tent. This was something that he did on a regular basis. It was something that the Israelite people knew. It was actually part of their like regular scheduled programming like it's what was a part of it and even more so God made it even more familiar by bringing a pillar of cloud down because that was familiar to the people they would then know that God and Moses were communing with one another and that cloud allowed them to also have a bit of that experience but in this first section we see Moses Take the time to go to that special place, take the time because who knows what their days looked like, right? I mean we can imagine they're wandering in the desert. I don't know what there is much to do when you're wandering in a desert. Um, and so they but I imagine there were distractions, maybe not the same distractions that we experience on an every day. you know they don't have a, a phone in their pocket and social media and all of all that kind of stuff. but they imagine I they did I imagine, have some form of distractions, and so Moses took time and made it a point to go out to the tent. And then this verse in verse 11, the fact that Moses, like this part of it that says, like, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. See, that shows the intentionality that Moses had seeking the presence of God, God saw Moses as a friend. He spoke to him as someone who he was familiar with. It wasn't a one-sided thing. They were going back and forth. They were having conversation. It wasn't just Moses calling on God, but like this beautiful relationship, which we have with each other at times, right? This going, and as I was reading this, I, I just kept coming back to that like image of, Like, Moses and God just kind of like communing with one another. And that's just being so beautiful. But that came with Moses intentionally setting a tent and intentionally going and spending time in God's presence. That didn't just come overnight. It didn't just come, you know, when he needed it. But it was an intentional, because at the end of the day, relationships take work, right? We can all attest to that. Relationships take work, and if you don't put forth the work, then nothing's going to come from it. You can say all day long, oh, I want a relationship with this person, or I want this, or I want that. But if you're not willing to put forth energy into it, then nothing's going to happen. But that same thing happens with our relationship with God. We can say, oh, I want the presence of God, and Joy was absolutely right. The presence of God is always there for us. The difference is, are we inviting him into our spaces? Are we taking the time to encounter him? Are we taking the time to see him? Are we taking the time to go out to our tent and taking a moment to commune with him? Moses did that. and that In that, he was able to say to God, like, hey, we need you. And God was like, don't worry. My presence is going to go with you, and I'll give you rest. And Moses had every ability to just walk away knowing that, like, he was good. But he doesn't. He goes back and he says, "We no, 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 no. Not just me, but we as a people cannot go unless you go with us. We need you. You set us apart. You make us different." I think I've shared this before in different sermons, um, but when I was thirteen, I was prophesied over by a missionary who was staying at my parents' home and he told me that he had a dream that I married a pastor, not that I became a pastor, uh, plot twist, um, (laughs) that I married a pastor or a missionary and um, to which I looked to him and said, that's great for somebody else. I'm marrying a doctor. I need someone to support my shopping habits. Instead, I married a teacher. (laughs) And um, and he looked at me, and he said, that's fine. Uh, meanwhile, my mother is frantically behind him, like, oh my gosh, like, that is so incredibly rude. Just say thank you and move on. But like, I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm not doing that. And he, said, he looked me in the eyes, and he said, that's fine. Just know that you were meant to be set apart. And I was like, cool, whatever. Like I'm going to go back. Like, I'm 13. What does that mean? To a 13-year-old, like, okay, cool, bro. Good story. (laughs) But as I was reading this and and studying it, it's it's the same calling that God had on the people of Israel. They were meant to be set apart. They were supposed to be different. They were supposed to be the people that when someone saw them, they were like, huh. There's something different about you. I'm not sure what it is. But you're different than everybody. You don't have a bunch of gods. You're not worshiping a bunch of different things. You're not seeking after like, all these different avenues. That's different. And the thing that made them different was the fact that they went with the presence of God, the fact that they invited the presence of God into every move that they made. They couldn't have left Israel without God. Or Egypt, wow, we're really going to get there. They could not have left Egypt without God. They needed his presence. They couldn't have made it to the Red Sea without God. They couldn't have made it across the Red Sea without God. They wouldn't have survived in the desert without God. Moses, he knows all of this, and though Israel is in this this moment, in this space and time, where they're tired, they built the golden calf because they're tired, and they just wanted something to hold on to, to tangibly see. I think we've all been there where we're like, okay, God, we know your presence is real, and most of us have probably had some sort of encounter with the Holy Spirit that has changed us in some way. But as time goes on and life goes on, we get tired. And so we put things that we can tangibly hold on to or we can tangibly see or we can tangibly worship or we can tangibly give ourselves to above setting out a tent and communing with God. As I was preparing this sermon on the presence of God, um, I was telling Jacob that I was really struggling, like, it just, nothing was clicking, and it wasn't coming, and Jacob was like, have you, like, sat down with God? And I was like, no. <laughs> Step number one. <laughs> but even for me, like, even though I spend time studying the Bible and preparing sermons and doing all this, this can become a, a work thing. This can become something that I come into routine and I'm no longer setting out a tent and spending time in communion with God, but instead I'm just tangibly trying to give people something to grab onto. Because right. really, these are just words if God isn't in it. Yes. The difference is the presence of God. God. God's presence makes the difference. And the thing is is it's easily accessible to every single one of us. See Moses, he made the bold request. He said, "I'm not moving. Like we are not moving from this space unless you go with us. I don't want an angel. I want you." And it was in that bold request, I think, that God saw, like, his confidence, his, like, okay, I will go with you because I know you. Because I found favor in you, I will go with you, and I will go with Israel. God knows what we need when we need to encounter his presence. I even think of, like, how he came down in a pillar of cloud, not just for the Israelites to know that Moses and him were communion, communing, but also for the Israelites to be able to commune with him as well. Like when that pillar dropped, which wild, right? Could you imagine just like a pillar of cloud just coming from the sky? The Israelites knew to go worship. They would stand at the edge of their tent and they would worship, they would rise, and they would encounter the presence of God. The beauty of what happened on the cross is that the veil tore. And when the veil tore, the presence of God, the ability to go into a tent became something that we could individually all do. We could collectively do it on a Sunday. We could collectively do it on a Wednesday, collectively do it on a Thursday, but then we could individually do it all the rest of the days of the week. So if we walk in on a Sunday and all we're doing is communing with God on Sunday, then mon- the rest of the week... Like it's just not enough to actually have that relationship, and I get it. It's like really hard sometimes when we're tired and we've got a lot on our plate and we're running around and we've, we're juggling like 12 plates all at once. You guys have ever seen those like professional people that have the um, the spinning plates, and they like have like there are days anyone else feel like they're spinning plates and like if you don't if you don't stop doing this like something's going to fall. And so I get it. The idea of being like, cool, that's just one, it might feel like, great, one more plate. There's one more plate for me to add. But that's not what I want you to take away from today. It's not one more plate. See, the presence of God, that tent, whatever that tent is for you, can fit into your life. It might be, I have 15 minutes between when I leave home and when I pull into work. My car is going to be my tent, and I'm going to sit, and God and I, we're going to drive together, and I'm going to commune, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to breathe. You might have two hours to sit and commune with God, and Do it, take it. I'm watching all of these kids run around and it's like a lot of us are parents. And so it's hard for us to find moments when our kids aren't around. Okay, so invite them into it. Let them be a part of it. Let them have a journal. Let them draw. Let them sit. Let them breathe. Let them be. We don't have to wait. I think there are two things that we can pull out of this. I mean, there's a lot of things, but two things that we're going to focus on. If you walk out of here today, these are the two things that I want you to hold on to. And the first is we each need a tent. We need something that we are mentally setting out so that we can sit and commune with God. We're making that intentional space. We are carving out that space whether it's five minutes or five hours. It doesn't have to be A plus B equals C. We talked about that this summer when we talked about our Experiencing God series. Like I grew up where like quiet time was 30 minutes and if you didn't have 30 minutes, like You're going to hell in a handbasket. Not true. I don't have 30 minutes all the time. I don't. But I have at least five. And for me, personally, it sometimes comes down to doing my makeup with silence or music or watching my TV show. And it's a lot easier just to watch my TV show because it takes less work. But if we, as one church, are going to be people that are going to go out and people are going to see, wow, there's something different about this community, this is a community I want to be part of, we have to make the ability and the effort to commune with God, together and individually. The second thing is, God's presence makes the difference. If we choose to say we're going to go with the presence of God, we're claiming that we've set our tent, we're having that that community, that communion with God. And then, then we walk forward, we can we're like we can go and just be. There's a difference when you walk into a space knowing you have the presence of God than when you walk into a space and you're like, "Do I? Is this safe?" Are you here? There's a confidence, right? As I get ready to close, I want to take a minute for us to just sit and be and reflect. What does that look like? Where can you set your tent? What does it look like for you to commune with God? What does it look like for us to be bold as a community, for us to be bold as individuals? And ask God, Send your presence with me. Mm. Do not move us unless your presence is with me. That doesn't mean don't make decisions. I think a lot of times we read these verses and we're like, okay, that just means we sit on our couch until God tells us where to go. And no, (laughs) see here's the thing when we are actively communing with God then his presence is with us and it goes with us and our kids see that they're encountering the Holy Spirit some, something fierce in there I would would like to be where they are. (laughs) But like, how cool, right? They get to be kids. And experience God different than we get to. And they don't have to be where we are, and we should probably be where they are. My prayer for us this week is that we set out our tents, that we learn to commune with God, but more than that, that we decide as a church and as individuals that we don't want to do this alone. Even when I stand up here on a Sunday morning, or Matt, or Rob, or whoever else is filling this space, this shouldn't be done alone. Worship team doesn't do it alone. You all, don't do it alone. Do you pray with me?